the Equip Pastors Podcast, giving you the tools you need to equip the people God has called you to lead. Back in Genesis, there's, there's so much we can really learn from the book of Genesis about how God orders life and orders the world we live in. And it's interesting to me that multiple times you kind of see this phrase or phraseology or this idea in Genesis when God created this, there's this law of reproduction. And the law is this, is everything reproduces after its own kind. So, duh, apple trees produce apples, which produce apple seeds, which you put in the ground that grow apple trees. And so on and so on, that dogs reproduce dogs. Donkeys are not a thing that gets reproduced. You know, there's like the mule and the whole thing. The horses reproduce horses. That's kind of a, uh, humans reproduce humans. You see this, he says, be fruitful and multiply. There's this multiplication, reproduction, duplication of the thing is duplicated on another thing. And so when we take that rule... And I I love what I heard somebody say. It's like, you can teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You can teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And when we think about that, in light of all those laws, physical laws that God set in motion of the world, that as believers, what do we reproduce? What are we called to reproduce? Believers. All right? As followers of Jesus, what are we called to reproduce? Followers of Jesus. As spirit-filled, spirit-empowered disciples, what are we called to reproduce? Spirit-filled, spirit-filled, empowered, God-loving disciples. And it made me think about, you know, in the kind of the ancient world, and maybe there's still some today, but this was more prevalent, and and their understanding was the idea of a master and an apprentice. So if you lived, if we lived in a village, you know, we go back to the Middle Ages, there would be a village blacksmith, right? There, got the forge. There's still some people who do that. I have a friend who was on one of those shows, you know, one, one of those, you know, forged in the fire. So those guys are so manly and cool, or, you know. But the whole idea is you were not a master blacksmith until you took an apprentice and were able to teach them the skill set. Like, you might have been good at it, but really the distinguishing, like, if you became a master, you were, ex- it was just expect you've got to have an apprentice. And y'all, some of y'all know I'm a little bit of a sci-fi nerd. I love Star Wars. And some of y'all do too. Some of you are like, what? Uh, but I love the idea of the Jedi master And I remember we had this method back in, in this, again, it, it kind of comes from that same master-apprentice method, and we called it the master-teacher method. And it wor- worked like this. So it was like we would, we would have a teacher, a leader in kids' area, 
And the whole idea of the master teacher was this, is that they were supposed to reproduce themselves and others. So it went like this. Here's how the system went. So say, I'm the master teacher, and you're coming to learn from me. I'm going to say, I do, and you watch. I'm going to bring you along with me. I mean, you're just going to watch, observe, notice what's happening. That's the first step. Now, again, that could happen over weeks, months, years, whatever, depending on the, the speed of the person. Then I say, well, you know, I'm going to teach, and I want you to help me. Actually, I'm going to allow you to do some stuff. I'm going to allow you to be a part of that. And that process can last, again, you know, weeks, months, years, depending on how long, you know. And then it would flip to this, is when you felt comfortable, then you can do, you can teach, and I'll help you. So you're not doing it by yourself, but I'm still there, right? Then, once you feel like you've got it down, then you teach and I watch. And then, once you feel comfortable with that or I feel comfortable with that, then the whole process starts all over, and sometime down the road, you do and someone else watches. And we call that the master-teacher method, but it really just comes from the ancient world of, like, that's how they taught blacksmith. That's how they taught all the different skill sets of their day. There, there was a master and there was an apprentice. And so whenever, I, I remember I, I got a new job. It was actually where Pastor Aaron and I met, the church we met at. And uh, I, they put me over the kids department. And then I came in there and there was all these people and they're like, I'm a master teacher. And I was like, oh, that's cool, master teacher. So that, I knew that they knew the lingo of what, we, what I had grown up learning. And I said, I looked around Kind of like that, uh, that uh, you know, that John Travolta gif, like where he's like looking around. Like, I said, where, where, where's the Padawans? Well, no, no, I'm a master teacher, pastor. I said, where's the apprentices? Where's the people you're, 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 to them, we can, we can fall into the trap of like, well, no, 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 I'm the master. I, I've got this mastered. I can do this by myself. Going back to our message last week, right? We can fall into the trap of the zone of like, well, I'm the master. I got this all by myself, and I don't need anybody else. That's not what the master and apprentice, you weren't a master unless you have an apprentice. You're not the Jedi master if you ain't ever trained anybody if you haven't brought somebody along with you, if you haven't worked somebody and helped them through the process. So they were looking at it as like, I'm the master, is that, hey, I've got the expertise, I'm the best at this. And I was looking around saying like, if you're the master, where's the Padawans? Where's the learners? Who are you bringing with you? It's one of our cultural statements, our leadership distinctives is like, I'm bringing somebody with me. I'm, 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 I'm duplicating myself and others. To master a craft, you really must prove it by passing it on to an apprentice. You've got to prove it by passing it on. So my, my question for you is like, what are you passing on? What are you passing on? Jesus did this himself. He duplicated himself and his disciples. He, walk, he walked along with them. There's, there's certain things that he did, and I will get into that the next time I teach. Um, but that's just my question for you, is where are you at in that process? Are you a Padawan? 
Are you an apprentice? Are you, or, or has God called you to start apprenticing somebody? And start with a statement here that I believe that there is no success without a successor. There is no success without a successor. You see this principle throughout Scripture. You never hear those words spoken, but you see this principle all the way throughout Scripture. Moses raised up a leader who he passed off to his successor. That was Joshua. It's interesting. Joshua does not pass up leadership to anyone else. And we get the whole book of Judges which the book of Judges is summed up that, this way, and the people did whatever was right in their own eyes. And you just see this crazy cycle of over and over. They did whatever they wanted to do. They found themselves reaping that. God had to deliver them. Then they kind of followed them for a little bit. Then they just did whatever they wanted to do. Then they reaped the consequences of that. Then God had to bail them out. And you thought, well, then they learned a lesson, right? Well, it goes on like 20 cycles like that. It's like they just keep doing the same thing. And we're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not like that at all. I, I don't, you know, we're not like, I am. But uh, maybe y'all aren't. Sometimes I'm like that. And it, and it makes me think about this word legacy. You know, a lot of us love the idea of destiny because destiny is what you achieve. But a legacy is what you leave behind, Legacy is what you pass on, who you pass it on to, what you pass on to them. And as I say, Moses passed on to Joshua. He brought him along. Uh, You see Elijah passing on to Elisha. You also see that, like, at some point the prophets stop passing it on, and we have, like, this hundreds of year period where there are no prophet, no prophetic voices until John the Baptist shows up on the scene. You see this with Jesus and his disciples. He understood that if, if, if this new way of living was going to happen, he had to pass it on to his disciples. He, he had people who walked with him. You see this with Paul and Timothy. In fact, Paul writes this to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So 2.2.2. 2, 2. He says here, In the things you have heard me say, So let's count the different people that are in the different generations we're talking about. So you got Paul, generation one. He said, the things you have heard me say. So you got Timothy, generation two. He said, me, you. I've taught you. What does he say? In the presence of many witnesses. So there's kind of like a 2A. Like there was a lot of people who heard this. But Timothy, you're the leader now. Everybody else heard too. So they, that's a whole nother lesson. You know, like they heard where are they at? He said there was many other people who heard it. He says entrust to reliable people. That's generation three. Reliable people. He says you got to pass it on to reliable people. He says who will also be qualified to teach others. Generation four. So you got Paul teaching Timothy. Generation 2, 2A was witnesses, 3, reliable people, 4, others. You see this principle throughout Scripture, as I I mentioned there. And it it kind of makes me think of, you know, right now we're kind of in the midst of the, the final four, basketball, 
but I, but I, you know, I'm a big you know college football fan. I know some of y'all are, and some of you're like, I don't know anything about that. But it's interesting to me that like teams like in college football, like Alabama, like like people get mad at Alabama. How many of you hate Alabama? You, 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 and the reason you hate them why is because they keep winning, right? And they just it's not fa- it's not fair. They just keep winning. And like these SEC teams, they just they just keep like it's not fair. And even in basketball, you see that like like you have these like blue blood teams that just like they just keep reloading. That's not fair. It's not fair. What do they do? They recruit. Like it's amazing. Alabama, they'll have like 20 players drafted off the team or graduate out. And like they're the biggest, strongest, meanest looking dudes you've ever seen. And then the guys replacing them are even bigger, meaner, and stronger. The guys who were sitting on the bench and didn't even get to play. And they just, and it's like they got three strings, four strings, five strings of guys just like coming up who just, they just replace them and they're even better. And everyone says, that's not fair. Let somebody else win. How many of you have ever heard that? Like, can, can we let somebody besides Alabama win, like everybody was cheering against them in the national chant, like, oh yeah, like, and Georgia's not even much different, they're doing the same recruiting thing, like, like, can somebody else win? That's not fair. But what if the church got a, an idea of what is in scripture of understanding what Paul taught Timothy? What if right here in this place, we're so good at raising people up that the next generation of leaders is coming up that the devil says, hey, can, can I win in San Antonio? It's not fair that Rise Church keeps on winning. Like, they just keep winning all the souls. That's just not fair. Let me recruit. Send me some of your recruits. We would say that's ridiculous, right? We'd say, no, we're not. You're not giving you one anything. No one. Nobody. We're recruiting them all. They're all on our team. We're all create. But how do we create a pipeline of leaders? We have to do what Paul said. He says, I taught you. Now entrust reliable people who then can teach others. So that's our heart. That is what leadership is. Because people come to me and say, well, pastor, how can there be more than one leader? And I just say that's such a small, limited view of leadership. It's such a small, limited view of leadership. Well, how can there be more than one starting center for Alabama? They don't care. Let's get, let's get six. Let's get seven. Let's get 20. Like, we don't care. Like, what's the limit? They have limits. Like, we don't have any. Like, there's no, like, what's the, what's the limit of leaders we can raise up? There's no limit. There's no, there's no boundary. It's, the, the, the limit is, is how many can we entrust? How many can we teach? How many? It's not a factory where you can just put them out like the, you know, you got to, it's, it's, it, it takes what Jesus did, the, the three, the 12, the 70, the crowds. He was investing into them. So let's do that. That's my encouragement for us as all uh, as leaders today. Thanks for listening to the Equip Pastors Podcast. We pray that today you receive the tools you need to equip the people God has called you to lead. If you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure to subscribe, follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Equip Pastors.